All right, patrons, it's Scoots here. I think I'm talking about episode uh, three, and maybe I joked about it somewhere that uh, somehow I got so confused. I know I did one, two, and four, so there could be two recordings of this episode three out there somewhere, which would be interesting um, because uh, (laughs) it would just be interesting. Like normally what happened was, I'll be honest with you, I mean, I think I was already, I'm I'm pretty honest with you about my foibles, but so, and I guess this is a good, good, this is the goodest time in any, I'm supposed to be talking about one thing, might as well talk about something else, right? Uh, so normally I talk about, uh, oh, so normally I record in the climbing, well, I used to record in the climbing closet. Now I record in the closet that I climb into still below the stairs and not to, not to be, and right now it is a climbing closet because, uh, my ability to get my chores done and organize stuff's been low. So it's, it's back, I'm climbing into a closet under the stairs. Uh, so normally it's where I record everything for the show. And then as we've talked about, but maybe you're a new patron, maybe you haven't heard all this. Also, I have no idea what month I'm recording this in January, whenever you're hearing this, uh, so good to be, thanks for the support. Really. I couldn't do it without you. But so in, when the school year changed or when, whatever, what is that last year's 2021. So my daughter, like, so my work schedule changed because my daughter's going to school when we commute to her school. And so I was working out of, uh, like I've been working out of a co-working space on the days I take her to and from school, just cause it's a, it's a bit of a drive and it doesn't make sense to drive all the way home and then drive all the way back again for a bunch of different reasons. Everybody, like even financial, it's like, okay, it, uh, like, uh, it doesn't make sense, but also like I said, well, I could just work on the pot. Like I gave my work done in like, uh, like that hour and a half I was, would be dry. The extra hour and a half I'd be driving. I wouldn't be getting any work done. It would just be to time not well used. So I decided to start working at this co-working space, which changed how I record stuff because I used to record pretty much every single day. Or at least, if, well, I got to the point in, where I was recording five days a week, maybe sometimes six days a week, but like uh, most of the time, just five days a week, uh, which is a pretty nice recording schedule if you look at the current iteration of Sleep With Me, because we put out two episodes a week, and then I could record a bonus thing on that fifth day, or if I miss something, I could record something, because normally uh, a little behind the scenes. It's interesting because we're talking about bread week on Great British Bake Off, but uh, so normally uh, this may be, I don't think this is a spoiler, but uh, so sleep with me, like I record an intro and I don't necessarily do these in a particular order. I try to do them the same week or the week after, but so I'll record in a perfect world, like let's say, let's just do with perfect world. On a Monday, I would record... The intro and any what I would call pickups, which are ads uh, or sponsor stuff, messages on Patreon, uh, supporter zones, uh, anything. So I would record an intro for an episode and then any pickups, or I'd do that out of order. I'd usually do the pickups first and then the intro. And let's say it was an intro for Great British Bake Off. Then the next day, I would record uh, the the thank yous first and then the episode. 
though sometimes I'll record the thank yous on the intro day, but I like, if it's possible, to record those, the thank you and the episode together because then it flows a little bit better because whatever the ver- tiny variables in the recording and the post-processing usually gets rid of any of those variables, but it would just be that those two are, those two are, uh, like the thank yous are when people are going to be the most asleep. You don't, you patrons don't even hear the thank yous because we take them out. But like uh, that way, it's a, like, I don't know, just good continuity or whatever you want to call it. So Tuesday I would do that. Then Wednesday I would record an intro. Then Thursday, actually, that's n- none of this is accurate. Uh, normally I record full episodes. The days I record full episodes are Monday, Thursday, or Friday just because of my schedule, even if I wasn't going in, like, even in the past. But anyway, so this are this is already inaccurate, and I'm not talking about bread week. But let's just say, let's just live in a fantasy world. Then on Wednesday, I would record an intro and the same thing, pickups or whatever. And then on Thursday, I would record an episode. And then on Friday, like, I could record an episode if I need to, an intro if I need to, or bonus content. But then also I work on Sundays, so I could do, like, if I get stuff recorded all those five days, I probably don't need to record anything Sunday. And it would only be if I was, like, thinking, like, six to eight months from now, like, oh, I'm taking a vacation, then let's just do it. Like, uh, this is a pretty chill Sunday. We got most of our other work done. I'd rather record an intro than do chores. So let's record an intro or a piece of bonus content. So all that being said, when my schedule changed, I was no longer able to record on that schedule. And that's still something I'm, I'm adjusting to. The main way I'm adjusting to it is kind of like I said, right now, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Thursday, and Friday are 100% I have to record stuff, uh, except some Thursdays. Uh, and Monday and Friday are the days that I definitely have the most recording time open. So I'll try to record episodes on those days. In in some Thursdays, I take my daughter to school like every other Thursday. So every other Thursday, I record an episode. And then on the other days, like Wednesday, it would be great. I say to myself, okay, like when you get home from school, then record an episode or my schedules change yet again. So then sometimes on Tuesday evening or Thursday evening, I could record an intro where normally I don't record stuff at night. It's just not part of my process. Uh, cause I think my brain, it, it recording stuff is, uh, uses a lot of that brain juice, whatever the glucose or whatever's feeding your brain, not my brain, you know, my brain juice is low but my brain fuel. So the episodes, I mean, sometimes if I'm loopy, the episode might turn out good, but for the most part, it's like whatever energy stores, let's hit it. Let's say, let's do some recording while the energy is, the stores are, uh, we got some energy stored up. Is that glucose? I don't know what it is, but, uh, what was my point? So, oh, so this is why the episode is missing. So then I said, as the schedule changed, I said, well, let me, let's try recording some stuff in the, um, uh, what do you call that? The shared workspace. And a lot of people, there's a, like, uh, it didn't, like, there was an episode, some stuff that got recorded there. And, and people said, oh, I like the sound of this. Now, there's a couple issues behind the scenes of beyond listener taste is that, uh, there's pe- a lot of people talking on their phones. Like the policy at this place is like, uh, you can have a phone conversation. And so if you can't deal with that, you know, use some ear pop earbuds or noise canceling headphones. 
but a lot of people have these phones and they have phone, they have like two phone rooms and then two phone booths or whatever you call them, but you can still hear, hear people. And the problem is like, uh, I don't even know what those people are talking about. So I can't really record it. it it's like everybody has a different talking on the phone volume. So that's, uh, hindered my ability to record because like, it's like one thing to have a mumbling, but if someone's saying something that may not be like, whatever, I just can't like, uh, it's, it's impacted my ability to record. It's basically what, like, if I'm monitoring my audio and I can make out something, then I'm like, okay, it's one thing if I can talk over the person, you know what I'm saying? Not super important. We'll figure it out. It's again, part of the process, but, uh, so, but also when I record not at home, I'm using a different recorder and a different mic because, uh, it's just the nature of recording stuff. And that's the beauty of post-processing. I mean, obviously the room, room tone and the room and, and the, and my voice is going to sound different because of the environmental effects. And, and I think the post-processing usually smooths out like the differences in the mic and the recorder. What the recorder has is like a preamp. Like those are the kind of two things that impact how you kind of sound is like the microphone and the preamp and the recorder. Not super important, but um, it just part. So, so the so man, I didn't think we'd get this deep. This is cool though. I just I'm leaning I'm leaning in to to talk to you about this. So okay, so so the recorder I have this is kind of cool because we don't talk about this behind the scenes stuff. Eventually, I get to talking about Bread Week, but uh, so the recorder I have. Let's see. So the recorder I have here in the studio where I'm sitting right now, I have my mic. This is a mic I've used for, I don't know, people people probably know the history of the podcast, but at least three or four or five years, uh, uh, maybe even longer. And it, so the mic goes into a preamp that's separate from the recorder, and it's a preamp I've used for as long. I bought the mic and the preamp at the same time, I think. Maybe not, though. but. Uh, no, I don't think I did. I don't know. But uh, I've had the preamp maybe longer than the mic, and then it, that goes into a recorder. Because the recorder I have, this particular recorder, it's great, but it doesn't have great, you need a preamp with it. And all the preamp does is it powers the mic. Uh, the preamps, I don't know, it, it's kind of like a part of your, it's like what's listening. The mic, the mic's one part of your ear and the preamp's another part of your ear. And then the recorder's another part. Probably not an apt analogy. So where, where was I? It's a, it's a, so, so that's what I have at home, what, what I'm used to recording on. And it is, we've talked, I've talked about this in podcast history episodes or whatever. It is extremely important for me to have a consistent thing. One, because like, so the listener has a consistent experience, but two, part of the process of making the show is me listening to the podcast as I'm talking and monitoring it in a, some, some somewhat passive part of my brain, in an ideal world again a somewhat passive part of my brain is listening. That's not super active. It's only active. Like it's not my critic. It's some, it's a producer brain. That's all I can call him. 
And ideally, it's just monitoring in a calm way. Not all, it doesn't always do this, but it says, oh, there's a mouth noise. Let's redo a take. Oh, I didn't like how you said that. Uh, let's do another take. Uh, okay, I'm not sure about that. Can you say it a different way? And, it, and rare, rarely, and it's just like touching my shoulder and saying that in a calm way. Say, hey, why don't you redo that? Like, or, yeah, I'm hearing a noise. Like if a ship or boat goes by, actually, I don't even need a producer to tell me. It says, okay, let's pause and wait, or somebody's, like, making noise outside or something. But that's a very finicky experience. And anybody that makes stuff knows the difference between your producer brain or whatever you want to call it and your critic, uh, and your healthy critic and your unhealthy critic. Those are all, they're all shades of the same being, right? And so... Any changes in the recording setup, it, it becomes it becomes more likely that I'm distracted. And one of the key parts about the show that I really believe is true. So don't don't tell me it's not. Don't spoil it for me. It, it, one of the main things that works about the podcast is that I'm here for you in really like a real like a like a. Maybe that's a wrong way to say it. Like a, that I'm tangibly being present for you in the moment. And so that way, in the moment you're listening to it, you're having a similar experience. And so I have to kind of calm my, my issues. My, I got to check some of my humanity at the door when I record and say, that's not my job right now. My job is to kind of tell a bedtime story or be open to whatever, I mean, and that's being open to whatever distractions pop in my head. And if I can kindly, if if a distraction comes up, like from my internal critic or something, or my nana, like for example, if I can kindly and curiously lean into that, it, it's one thing that will work for the podcast. But if I'm experiencing it internally and not like staying calm, or I'm bringing something in from the outside, even if this is subtle, it's mostly you know my brain and my feelings. If I'm like, like, then it's going to take away from my ability to be present for you and to be present for whatever's bubbling up uh, or whatever, whatever way the story, like trying to feel out where the story is going, whether it's a written story or it's notes. And again, a lot of that is out of my control. I only know, and it, I mean, this is like where it's like uh, the fun part about making the show, but also that it, I do have to check a lot of feelings because... Like, it's not easy either to be like, okay, but you know how the process goes. So let's just trust the process. I say, well, that's kind of scary. And it says, well, just trust it. And, uh, you know, it'll work. Well, I don't know if the story's ready. Well, let's just go ahead and do it. Uh, even today, I was supposed to record something else. And uh, then I said, well, I don't know if we have enough time. Time is another big factor. Well, so this is kind of turning into a behind-the-scenes show, but at least but whatever. We'll see how, much, how long this runs. So time is another factor that I kind of talked about in my thing. I think I was talking about preamps, but we'll get to it. So um, time's another factor where it's like, so let's say I need to record an episode. Let's say it's a written episode or a Great British Bake Off episodes because those are a little bit easier to um, um, think about the timing at least. So if I want to record in a perfect world for somewhere between 49 and 59 minutes would be, well, or the, the, that's what I want the end result to be. It means I'll have to record between 59, like, well, no. I think if I can hit 52 to a little bit over an hour, 
like we like lately, then the episode, the story part of the episode will be somewhere around 48 to 55 minutes. So it's also trying to be aware of like how much stuff is going to have to get cut out of here. Did we have to take any extended break longer than 30 seconds where the recorder was running? So what number do we have to hit? But normally you want your, I want the number. I would prefer the number after it's edited by post your Carl to be about like, I guess 52 minutes, but 40, 48 to 52 minutes, uh, is what we're shooting for. If it goes over, that's great. The only danger of going over is that then I might be setting myself up either for that day or longer term to be like, okay, but lately the episodes have been longer because they've wanted to be longer. I prefer if the episodes get well, I mean, right now everything we're releasing has been over an hour, I think, which is great. And that's like, but the, 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 that's what I'm shooting for. It's like 60 minutes and 30 seconds or 61 minutes uh, with the final Patreon release. You know, we don't always get there. And so, but so time is another factor that impacts my emotional ability to make the show because the more time I have, can't have too much time, but I can't also feel a time crunch unless I set another limit. So that's what happened today was like, okay, I said, well, like to start recording at 11.15. What time is it now? 11.56. And I think we probably started recording. I don't know what time I started recording, but I also, you probably didn't hear it because I paused the recorder, but I also, well, oh no, it's happened when I was recording something else. It was when I was recording a pickup, a Sleepy Supporter Zone. And a, and a thank you. It happened during the thank you recording, I think. But anyway, you won't hear any of that, but... uh I had to pause it because I got interrupted twice, which is fine. Uh, but normal, and they, they were, they were, uh, normally a lot of stuff I'll record, like ignore, but those were timely, like those were in actual necessary interruptions from somebody. So then I said, okay, well, we, ha- so I, oh, I said, okay, I have open today between 11 15 and about 12 15. And I said, I could probably go to about 1220 to 1225 worst case scenario. I said, okay, that's good. That's a good amount of time to record. That's perfect amount of time for an episode. I mean, a little bit of a time crunch. And then I, then I said that I said, well, I'm feeling a little bit of a time crunch. And I said, well, this week was really good recording week. So what if we, uh, were ahead, we're where we need to be. So we could actually do, what if we did this episode? I never used to do this, uh, but over recently, I think as we've gotten more healthy and, and, um, and I mean, internally, I said, well, we could, as long as it's not a procrastination, if it's for the quality of the episode, I say, okay, well, so we could, and it's also an episode I was procrastinating about because I was like, not sure, it's like uh, uncharted territory. So I was extra nervous. So I said, okay, well, if that's how you feel about it, and that'll be what it takes to get recorded, we could record that for, try to hit a 30-minute recording. And then Sunday we record record 30 more minutes. Uh, If you're nervous and you think that'll be what it takes to help you get started. And I said, okay, yeah, I think so. So I said, okay. And then I sat down to record it and I realized one, the iPad that I needed to access the notes wasn't charged and the, uh, the, the, the research that I needed wasn't on the iPad. 
So then I said, oh, okay, well, I have this Great British Bake Off stuff right here. So we could do the, first I said, like, you know, like a little kid, I said, this, oh boy, all's lost. And I said, no, no. And then I said, let's force it. And I said, no, no, we can't. We got a time crunch here. So I said, let's just record that Great British Bake Off episode. That's a 30 minute. We got the stuff we need. Let's do it. Then I said, and this will get us back to where we were. Then I said, okay, but uh, which episode is (laughs) missing? Sorry, I laughed pretty loud there. And I said, I don't know. So then I had to look at my emails to see between Carl and Russell, like, uh, okay, what, what was missing? I think it's episode three. So that leads us to how did episode three go missing? Or why do we have one, two, and four recorded, but not episode three? That's a mystery I don't have an answer to. I say, I do find it strange. So I do find it like, I think there probably is an episode three recorded out there somewhere. Maybe, but I don't know if, if so, where is it and what happened to it? And so why do we have episode four, but we don't have episode three, which leads us to this recorder situation. So like I said, at home, it could walk you through a little bit more of the process, uh, so, for example, today I'm recording this, and when I'm done recording, I'll shut down the equipment. I will take out the SD card from the recorder. And again, in a perfect world, what I would do is go upstairs. I would stick the SD card into my card reader in my computer, open up the SD card, look at the file numbers, and immediately, and a lot of times I do do this because it's just good, pra- like good practice. Now, one thing, if you're starting a podcast or anything, just back it up. Uh, like if you could, if you, if, I don't have a system to do that. And I guess it's like a, one of the few risks I'm willing to take, uh, which is probably unnecessary, but whatever. Like once I plug it into my computer, uh, it, it starts getting backed up. Uh, but then what I do is then I look up the file numbers, which follows a bit pattern of every time I hit record, it creates a new file with a file number. So I say, okay, that's the next file number. I'm betting this file is like 2780 is my guess. I just look 2781. So I'll put into the Notion, which is what I use. I used to use Google, Google Sheets. I'll say 2781. Put in today's date. I'll say it would have said great british bake off bonus bread week uh season three episode three but it'll say great british bake off bonus question mark ramble about behind the scenes ramble and then i'll put a note put it with episode three once we find episode three so i'll have the date what's on the, the tape we call it even though it's a sd card of audio so the date, the, the, the date, the tape, the file number, the date, what's on there, then some categories, which this one would be categorized as bonus. And then I assign it to an editor, but KW Carl does all the bonus content. So then I'll put like, but I don't put KW till I upload it. So then we have a third version. So we have the original version of the file. Then I, ideally my backup is program is backing it up maybe not immediately, but then I'm also then uploading the file right away, right after recording is the best practice, uh, to, uh, uh, the cloud into a file, like a folder for KW. 
so that he can access it when it's time. Like in a, this one, I probably put a note. It's a whatever, not ready, because this would probably be a 30-minute file, so it needs a sister 30-minute file, which we'll record at a future date. Uh, and all that is good because it's all the process, like process-based, but also because I'm used to it, and the record, this recorder has, uh, like, it's a system I'm used to, right, and the, the files, all the files thing. But when you introduce a new system, like I'm talking about, uh, like a different recorder, so file names are different, and a uh, different location and a different process, uh, things happen. Now, on top of that, and this is just an interesting area for exploration, so the recorder I have, and I may have found out a fix for this uh, by accident, uh, but so the recorder I have, so this the recorder that I have for when I'm not in my climbing closet, it has better preamps, so it doesn't need, uh, w- with the microphone I use it with, which is a, it's a little bit of an obscure type of mic. It's a powered dynamic microphone. So, kind of, and I say, well, what's the difference between that and a condenser? I say, you're right. And all that means is like a dynamic microphone normally is better at getting like not picking up a lot of background noise where a condenser will pick up a lot more things. So this is kind of like a nice balance, similar to the mic I use here, which is like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's similar that has good noise rejection, but also picks up like a lot of the creaky dulcets, the creaky part. So this mic and that recorder, I find I'm pretty happy with. And I don't know. It's again, another process that I can pretty much get into. And again, I'm still monitoring my audio without overthinking it and getting in the way of the work, the process to get the work done. And for the most part, I think I've matured enough that even like, even like, like a room sounding a bit different, isn't too much of a distraction. I mean, maybe someone talking is a little bit of a distraction, but it's just more of me, again, trying to produce the show and be like, okay, is this going to be usable audio or not? Like, that's a legitimate distraction. Because it's like, maybe we should invest our time somewhere else if we're not going to be able to use this audio. Now, there's one more wrinkle, which is where we get to the, you know, where we're, <laughs> why we're investigating this uh, situation. So, this recorder is uh, I've had it for a number of years and I bought it for this exact reason so that I could record when I'm not at home. And it's really, I'm not going to name the companies or whatever because I don't want to get into it. it. But this one is known for having good preamps. It's known for being very reliable and hardy and easy to use. It has a couple things I don't like about it. One, it takes forever to start up, which doesn't make any sense because it's all solid state. And uh, I don't know, that one, the one I have here, it takes two seconds to start up, checks the card, says, okay, this card, you know, there's stuff on here I can record there. Let's do it. So that's one thing. The other thing is like it, uh, this one's a little bit more, I think, yeah, this one that I use currently, it's a bit of a, like, it, because you're using it with batteries, it's a, like, a, like it, uh, it, 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 that's another thing that you got to think about because if batteries run out on some of these recorders, it just loses the recording, 
which again, it shouldn't because it's solid state. It should just be writing the file, but whatever. Um, that again is on me to provide an extra backup power solution, which I've done and which I do so that I have like external battery powering it. So the odds of both of them going out, it happens, it happens at home and on location uh, on the road. And, you know, but reducing that happening is important. So all that we have systems for. The one system we haven't had in that I discovered an issue, I don't know what year it was, is at some point this this recorder d- developed a thing where when you put the SD card in, not only does it take it forever to read the SD card, but it also, something mechanically went wrong where it pushes the, the copy protection tab, just like they used to have on cassette tapes. Uh, it's like something you can do so you don't record over something. It pushes that tab in place so then you can't write to the SD card. It basically makes the SD card protected from writing. So then I've had to, like, put a piece of tape on the SD card. And this is something... I don't know, I think it was in 2020 when I had to figure this out, but I finally figured out a way to put like a piece of like a thin tape so it would still get into the recorder, but the recorder wouldn't push it out. But once I did that, I realized I could, taking it in and out of the recorder wasn't a good idea. So it was basically where the recorder went from being one that you could unplug and plug the SD card in. This is exciting stuff. This is so deep behind the scenes. But so where you could take the SD card out, put it in my computer like my normal process, upload the files, uh, log the files. Couldn't do that anymore. And the recorders are not like, uh, they're made for recording audio in the field, more or less. So they're not really, like this one, it says it can connect to your computer. And no offense, like as a hard drive, but doing that is like not been reliable in my experience. And also very time-consuming. So I had to find a workaround. Now, this jumps back way back into the early days of the podcast when I would make a backup. I found this miracle device, uh, and it it doesn't exist in its old format anymore, but it was a battery backup, and it could, and it had a, a slot for a micro SD card, and it could connect to this old recorder that I don't use anymore as a hard drive. It could, so the, the, the recorder would recognize this thing as a battery backup, but then if I just flicked the switch, it would recognize it as a hard drive. Then I could open up an app and back up the SD card from the recorder to the micro SD card on this device. And it worked really flawlessly. I mean, I don't know what year I started doing this, but this was like for many years of the podcast. So when I rec- after I finished recording, before I even got up from my seat, I would already have two copies of the file. And for most of the time, that device, I never even used it because I never needed those files. It was just in case of an emergency. And I think once or twice it bailed me out or once or twice, yeah, like something got lost or damaged. And I said, well, I have a backup here. And it provided power for the recorder. So then I said, man, I got to find this device again. And of course, they stopped making that version. And they stopped updating the heart, like the software. And the one I had, it eventually wore out because there was so much battery. You know, the battery was constantly getting used. And it just stopped. It didn't work anymore uh, because I don't think it was made to be like as prosumer. Like, and I was using it like 
five or to seven times a week. Anyway, did a great job. And the company still exists. Uh, and I actually used some of their other products, but I was like, and it's not a big brand or anything, but, uh, and it's such a strange device that, but so whatever, I started searching. I said, I said, okay, can't get this SD card out. And so I said, okay, I'll just plug the recorder into the computer. And then I said, the computer, the recorder only talks to the computer like 20% of the time. And I really don't have an hour to figure this out every single time I record or to keep plugging and unplugging or whatever. Like when it's simply, it's as simple really as like taking a file out of a file folder and putting it into another one. Physically, it's not that different. So it's like uh, trying to unlock whatever. So I said, I got to find a solution. So I've looked up the company. They were still making a device. And actually, they just, <laughs> of course, like right when I needed it, they just like switched again, like from the generation of device that I had used to a new generation or something, or they were in between generations. So then I went on used, you know, used places where you could buy stuff from individuals, and I found one at a reasonable price. I think it was still new in the box, uh, and it was a real person. They sent me the device, and then I got that device, and it did not work. It works. Uh, it did not work as well as the other. It was mostly a software issue. Like, it just uh, didn't work as well as the other one, but it worked. <laughs> this is so... But the problem is, was it didn't work as well. So it was like uh, very hard to, like files were getting lost or mixed up. Uh, and what I, when, I, when I say that, I say there is a possibility that somewhere when it, in those file mix-ups, uh, when I was copying stuff over, that I did record a Great British Bake Off week three. But it would be strange because I, I did do a deep dive. Uh, where I finally pulled the SD card out because I said, I got to do a deep dive. Where's this episode three? So I pulled the, I, I finally gave up on the recorder. I said, well, even if this never works again, I have to take this SD card out and do a deep dive on it. Listen to every single piece of tape we have and mark that tape again to see what's on it because I can't like uh, even if it, ta- I mean, I guess this is where when you're making stuff, you got to weigh the time. I'm like, if it takes uh, 40 minutes for me to listen to all the tape, I mean, I just listen to the beginning of the uh, tape and then jump around. I said, that's 40 minutes. And plus it's like a different kind of work. So it's like, I probably was doing it at the end of a day when I couldn't record it anyway. But if it's going to take two hours and you're like, oh, I'm better off recording, re-recording it. So again, it's like a time investment thing. But I did do that deep dive. I didn't find any episode three. Went through my old file list. I still didn't find any episode three. So that's why I sat down like whatever, almost an hour ago now, 36 minutes recorded. So yeah, 45 minutes or so ago to record about Great British Bake Off. And it's literally turning from 1214 to 1215, which is when I said I would stop recording. So I could eat my lunch and I got to go to a meeting. So, yeah, so that's what I what I was intending when I sat down to record Great British Bake Off uh, Bread Week, Episode 3. So what I'll do now, and this is fun, is at some point, maybe Sunday, I'll record the Great So you'll hear this, and then you'll hear the Great British Bake Off Facts episode about Bread Week. And if I discover the third episode, you'll hear that too. 
this was fun. I'm glad we did this. Uh, you got to get a little bit more behind the scenes. Uh, or if I, I guess if I find both of those Great British Bake Off weeks, uh, I could release this as a standalone. But that's a nice thing about I, I really appreciate the support because this is the kind of odd stuff I can talk about and lean into. Kind of like I said, this whole thing. I kind of went with, I said, okay, if this is a 10 minute tangent, then I'll talk about the great British week three for 20 minutes or 45 minutes. Uh, so let's just go with this tangent about, uh, files and see where it goes. So that's a freedom your support gives me is to kind of lean in and kind of go with the flow and stay in the process and let the process take me where it takes me. And when it works, it works. Uh, even when it's working because of small errors or, or holes in the process. So thank you so much. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Good night. Everybody scoots here. Finally, if you heard that first thing, uh, I've not discovered a he- hidden uh, recording of Bread Week. So we're going to talk Bread Week again. Even though, well, I guess looking at this, I'm like, okay, so Bread Week, uh, the bakers made 12 tea cakes. What's a tea cake? Is That's a great question because I don't know. So I'm just going to read here from uh, Wikipedia and I'll paraphrase and quote uh, as I go along uh, different uh, Wikipedia articles about these cakes. What's a tea cake? According to this, in England, it's consi- it's generally a light yeast-based sweet bun. Oh, sweet bun. What's a sweet bun? Great question. We'll look that up next. Uh, dry fruit served toasted and buttered. Uh, oh, boy. In the U.S., uh, tea cakes can be cookies or small cakes. What about spice? You know, would a ho- here's a question. Would a hobbit eat a tea cake? It sounds like definitely yes. In Sweden, they're soft, round, flat wheat breads made with milk and a little sugar. Would that, Scoots, do you think that's an enriched dough? I think so. Uh, it could be used to make buttered ham and cheese sandwiches. In India and Australia, tea cake is more like a butter cake. Uh, tea refers to a popular beverage in which these baked goods are an accompaniment. Okay, let's hop over. What's a sweet roll? That's not sure. Ma- Mama has a baby loves shortening bread. Sweet roll or sweet bun. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Uh, it refers to any number of sweet, baked, yeast-leavened breakfast or dessert foods. So it's got to be yeast-leavened to be a sweet roll or sweet bun. Uh, they may contain spices, nuts, candied fruits, etc. Gla- often, no, and are, yeah, and are often glazed or topped with an icing. Though I'm not in the tea ca- case of the tea cake, I don't think. Compared to, okay, here's where we get into it. General, okay, compared to regular bread dough. Sweet roll, though, generally has higher levels of sugar, fat, eggs, and yeast. They're often round but sm- and small enough to comprise a single serving. They're different than pastries, which are made from a paste-like batter, from cakes, which are unleavened or chemically leavened, and from donuts, which are deep-fried. So I'm glad we got that differentiator in there. Refrigerated, ready to wait, ready to bake sweet roll dough is commercially available in stores, grocery stores. So cinnamon bun, marzipan. Oh no, those are the fillings. So that's a sweet roll. Oh, oh, sweet. Thanks for calling me a sweet roll. Uh, butter cake is a cake in which one of the main ingredients is butter. 
Butter cake is baked uh, with basic ingredients, butter, sugar, eggs, and flour, uh, and leavening agents such as baking powder or baking soda. It is one of the quintessential cakes in American baking. And butter cake uh, originated from the English pound cake, which used equal amounts. Oh, this is interesting. So almost cake week here. So try, I'm going to have to learn about pound cake now, which traditionally used equal amounts of butter, flour, sugar, and eggs for a rich, heavy cake. Uh, oh, so um, the invention of baking powder and other chemical leavening agents during the 19th century increased the flexibility of this traditional pound cake by introducing the possibility of creating lighter, fluffier cakes using a traditional combination of ingredients. Uh, and it is this transmission that brought us the modern butter cake. Butter cakes are traditionally made. Creaming method. Uh, eggs are then, yeah. So we'll read more about it. Okay, pound cake is a cake uh, traditionally made with a pound of, oh, so a pound of each. That's a big cake, man. A four-pound cake? How about that? Like, I've heard, I think pound cake is somebody's nickname or something, but not four pound cake. It's not just a pound cake. It's a four pound, it's a four pound cake uh, for pound. You bring, no, definitely don't bring a pound cake to the pound because that wouldn't be healthy. I mean, maybe it would. I think if you're giving it to dogs, you're better off probably keeping the sugar and the butter out of there and cooking the eggs. Uh, but a pound of flour, butter, eggs, and sugar. So you could make it a pound and then just use a quarter pound of all those. Pound cakes are generally baked in a loaf pan or bunt mold. And sometimes they're dusted with powdered sugar or glazed with a coat of icing. I think I like pound cake. It dates back to the 1700s. The recipe for pound cake is in the first U.S. cookbook, American Cookery. Uh, Eliza Leslie, 1851, used 10 eggs, beat them as light as possible, mixed them with flour, a pound of flour, added the juice of two or three lemons, two lemons or three oranges, which changed the flavor texture. And James Vias uh, in 2008 said the cake flour would not work in the place of all-purpose flour because it lacks the strength to support the heavy batter. And, of course, there's lots of different variations uh, and styles, uh, and you could always read more about it. Uh, what about leavening agents? There's another thing I'm going to need a reminder about. One day, hopefully, we'll have uh, a need for somebody called Agent Leavening or Leavening Agent. I think Agent Leavening Agent, uh, Agent leveling, Leavening here. Just call me Lev uh, for short. Yeah, Agent Lev, uh, Agent Lev, uh, my full name is Leavening, my last name, Scooter hasn't thought of it yet because I'm not in a show or anything, I'm just a free-roaming fictional character asleep with me, and I would love it if uh, all of you would remind Scooter to get me out of his imagination where I'm just wandering around, it's not, you know, it's not bad up here, most of the, as long as I stay upstairs, uh, where the, uh, rainbow clouds are. And the unicorns, if I go down into Scooter's, uh, to the story swamp, it can get interesting. 
But, you know, up here, they call me Lev, uh, Agent Lev. I don't know what kind of agent I am, but I'm, uh, you know, just call me Lev. Uh, Lev's my name. Agenting is my game. If I was a leavening agent, though, level, le- leavening would be my, raising would, would be my, from, uh, I'm, you know, what a, Lev, why don't you tell us about leavening? Well, it's any one of a number of substances used in dozer batters that cause a foaming action, a.k.a. gas bubbles. So we've all had a little leavening going on, you know what I'm saying? But uh, that lightens and softens the mixture. An alternative supplement to leavening agents is mechanical action where you can incorporate air, i.e. kneading. But when you need a leavening agent, you might not need to knead quite as much. Uh, your need, leavening agents could be biological or synthetic. Uh, the gas produces often carbon dioxide, sometimes hydrogen. Uh, when a dough or batter is mixed, right, uh, the flour and water in the dough form a matrix. Holy cow. That gelatinizes and sets, and the gas bubbles remain. So, yeah, there's chemical ones. Uh, there's other steam and air. Uh, mechanical, as we talked about. This is often used in cookies. And, yeah, there's a lot more there. That We all got, we got there from tea cakes. Well, how interesting is that? Uh, next thing we're going to talk about is cottage loaf. Oh boy, this is actually, I wanted to do this, uh, make a cottage loaf. So definitely, we have, I, I guess I didn't record this because I, I would have talked about it. Or I did talk about it and then I forgot. Uh, but a cottage loaf is a, t- a traditional type of bread from England. Uh, and it's characterized by its shape, which is two round loaves, one on top of the other. The upper one being smaller. The shape is similar to that of a French brioche or pan chapeau. Uh, the name dates back uh, maybe hundreds of years. Uh, maybe the shape came out of a way of saving floor space in old-fashioned bread ovens. The name doesn't appear in writing till mid-18th century. Uh, there's also an oblong version called a cottage brick uh, that was popular in London. They used to be common. Now they're rarely found in bakeries as they're time-consuming and difficult to make. Uh, why, that's why then less convenient for slicing. I guess so. For if you were pa- like if you were actually breaking bread, a cottage loaf might be good. I don't know. I've never made one, but it's like a, a small loaf. It's more like a like a, not quite a snow person, like two thirds of a snow person, but not round. Um, a snow like well, it's not a snow loaf because it's. But if you wanted to make it, you'd make a something like a, a river stone, and then another river stone on top of it. That's it. But you make it from bread. The problem, as we saw in this episode, though, is as the bread cooks uh, or rises or does its thing in the oven. A lot of stuff, you know, there's uh, organic stuff going on, and that doesn't always uh, follow some concise pattern. And there's, like, steam or something's got to get out of there. So if you poke poke it down the middle in a way where uh, that's how, that's how, that's what it's all about, the cottage loaf. So that's a little bit about a cottage loaf. What, what else we got here? 
food coloring. I don't know if we need to look that up. Davy Jones's lock. Who's Davy Jones? And what was Davy Jones's locker? No, I literally no idea. So let's look that up. Uh, it's a metaphor uh, for uh, the sea floor uh, that sailors would use, or it can be considered a euphemism. And, uh, you know, also if you're like, uh, what do they call that? Uh, you're a diver and you're looking at old stuff at the bottom of the sea for fun, old ships. Uh, it's like, I guess it's like kind of a sailor's version of big farm in the sky. It, it actually, yeah, this, I don't know why I said it's kind of, it actually is exactly the same thing. Uh, Though Davy Jones is the figure you wouldn't find at a big farm in the sky, uh, you'd find Davy Jones more possibly uh, in another place uh, where you'd say there's not much growing here, down here. And maybe that was at one point, you know, when people didn't realize how rich the bottom of the sea was with life. where did it come from? The history, four years of voyages from Captain George Roberts uh, by Daniel Defoe, 1726. Uh, uh, it was in there, tossed in Davy Jones's locker. Also, Tobias Smollett's Adventures uh, Peri- of Peregrine Pickle, 1751. The same David Jones uh, is, uh, n- you know, not super kind and... Uh, lives down deep uh, where the big farm in the sky is not uh, and kind of a trick a bit of a trickster that you could see and you're not going to smile when you see him uh, so it could be uh, conjectural folkloric explanations of where it started uh, David Jones was real though but not well known in the 1630s Duffer Jones was a notoriously myopic sailor, a uh, British pub owner, could have been, who, uh, if you didn't pay and you had too much to drink, would go in the ale locker and then you'd get drafted. Or it could be that Davy was inspired by St. David of Wales. Uh, now, not everyone has b- bad associations with Davy Jones. Uh, Maybe you have a party when you're crossing the equator in traditions. Uh, you have uh, those when it's your first time crossing the equator. There's a rowdy and raucous initiation uh, by with those who have crossed the line before. Shellbacks or son of Nep, sons of Neptune, and this in this ceremony, I guess, would be King Neptune, who'd be the eldest uh, shellback, and then Davy Jones is the sidekick. Oh, there was even a musical, 1959, uh, with Bill Baird's Marionettes, uh, Davy Jones's Locker, 1960s television series The Monkees, Hitting the High Seas. Uh, oh, that was musician Davy Jones, uh, played the character Davy Jones. Uh, there was uh, Aesop's Fable series, uh, Popeye. Beastie Boys uh, use it in one of their songs, a bunch of different uh, stuff about pop culture characters and sea metaphors. 
And let's see, there's a novella, Scottish origins, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. It represents an actual, okay, the, I don't want to spoil it, but, uh, oh, that also is uh, Davy Jones. Uh, Jow, banjo Tui level, there's a Banjo Tui level. Uh, French singer Nolwyn Leroy has a song, Davy Jones. As well as a band, Rusty Ship. You know, one of the first episodes of Sleep With Me, maybe even the first, uh, it has nothing to do with it, but there's a song about the, our friend from the, um, the uh, well, I guess I can't say, our friend that lives in the Big Goon. So that's a little bit about Davy Jones's locker. Now, anybody that's a TNG fan knows uh, what what's a cup of, if you're uh, going to the, what is that called? The food mi- modify, what is it called? The, uh, can't remember. The thing that makes food on uh, Starship Enterprise. And you're ordering uh, something for uh, uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Or order some Earl Grey, uh, which I know very little about. Uh, so Earl Grey is a title. Oh, the, so this isn't about the tea. Uh, 1806, uh, peerage of the, uh, it was created for General Charles Gray, first Baron Gray, Howick uh, in the county of North, uh, Northumberland, uh, he was succeeded by his eldest son, Charles II Earl Gray, and, uh, he was a Whig politician, prime minister of the UK, 1830 to 1834. But we're really here for the tea. I mean, I don't think Jean-Luc Picard, he'd say, I, I'm not drinking a title. He'd probably use that as a metaphor, you know. And he would probably much more briefly refer to the history of Earl Grey. But it's a tea blend f- flavored with oil of bergamot. And the rinds of fragrant oil is added to black tea, which gives Earl Grey its unique tea taste. Uh, learning something new every day. Uh, traditionally made from black teas, uh, therefore intended to be drunk without milk. Uh, but uh, tea companies have since been making Earl Grey from stronger teas, uh, which uh, are better suited to milk or cream. Uh, the history, the earliest reference to the tea flavored with bergamot uh, goes to 1824. No mention of Earl Grey, though. Uh, you see, would uh, they'd use it to enhance the quali- taste of low quality teas, uh, which and this was disreputable uh, to make their products seem superior. Then we get Charles Gray here, second Earl of Gray, so not the first. For, third verse, same as the first. Uh, I don't know about the third Earl of Gray, but the second Earl of Gray, the Earl, Earl Gray's mixture may have been named after this prime minister we've already mentioned. Uh, at the time, it was considered disreputable, according to Wikipedia. But the second Earl Grey found it, and it said, it seems rather unlikely he would have championed it, but uh, he's connected to the T somehow. And there's a lot of different tales of, like, how it could be a thing, maybe a gift, maybe a, some sort of a hero's journey type story. Uh, like, uh, maybe as a gift, uh, maybe it helped to flavor the water. Uh, 
and his family seat because uh, it had a lot of lime and the preponderance of lime in the local water. That could be another uh, possible, like one of my more uh, obscure autobiographies, a preponderance of lime. That could be, I don't know, maybe that should just be a novel. Uh, what was Scooter's greatest love story and his greatest, well, it's his greatest mystery, preponderance of lime? Uh, I got to write this one down. Hold on. Okay, I wrote that down. some point I'll use that maybe. I love that. Preponder, preponder, I got to figure out what a preponderance means. Uh, yeah, let's look that up. Uh, can I? Well, I can't even select it right now. Preponderance. Let's look that up. Uh, continue. I want to look up the definition. Preponderance is a noun. Prevalence or bulk. Uh, the fact, uh, the quality, quantity or fact. Uh, this is from New Oxford, American. Greater in number, quality or importance. Cool. Uh, so that's it. Modern impressions. Uh, some a, minor, a significant minority of people in the UK associate Earl Grey tea with being posh or middle class. So, you know, it's a little bit about Earl Grey and the old Earl Grey. Oh, here's another sea thing. So we were talking sea stuff. Kraken. 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 You say Kraken, I say Kraken. Don't come a knocking when the Kraken, when my ships get, get with the Kraken and it's rocking by a Kraken because the Kraken will be knocking and the ship will be knocking around. And some Kraken, the Kraken usually, there's usually Kraken with the Kraken. So don't come, uh, your bag, your locker, Davey, you best be packing. And probably go on your hands and knees so your head, you know, you don't bother smacking as we're getting bounced around by the heretofore mentioned Kraken. Uh, my rhymes at this point, what you could say, what you couldn't say is that they're lacking the quality. Yeah, you, 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 you know, you could goof on me and keep those goofs tacking, but you know, my attempt is not slacking. But the uh, fact and fact and is uh, <laughs> like this uh, is petering out. So, uh, you know, I'll put the rest of my rhymes in my sack and I'll move on to this talking about the Kraken, which is a superstition or myth uh, first described in the modern age, uh, 18th century uh, medieval lore overlooked, uh, maybe from Norwegian uh, bishop who first described it. Uh, a bit like an octopus, a big size though, uh, but uh, it was, you know, famous for not messing with people. Victor Hugo uh, had something similar in something, I don't know, French literature introduced the, the octopus of Guernsey lore. And then Jewel, Ver, Jewel Verne's description didn't really like go between octopus or squid. And there are big squids that can go to 40 feet, 50 feet in meters. But this thing usually is a little bit more, yeah, mythological in nature. Around 1740s, there's different descriptions of it into the 1800s. Very colossal, octopod. 
polypus. Uh, how many different ways uh, does Scoots have to make an un- like a face that makes me uncomfortable looking at him in discomfort? Uh, how would you describe Scooter's frowns, ability to frown or make poly? Uh, would you would you call his ability polypus? Uh, not a polyglot. He's a polypus. Uh, like if puss just stands for sour puss, is if it's short for that. Yeah, he is. Oh boy, is he a polypus when it comes to uh, wrinkling his brow and his face at the same time. He's a bit of a polypus. That sounds more like a James. Well, it doesn't fit for a James Bondian, uh, like a semi-villain, but uh, it does sound like Scooter, the old polypus. Uh, so yeah. Sourpuss, I lost my, you know, I went on that tangent, I lost my page, but, uh, what else we got? Uh, I don't know, Kraken, it is a Norwegian word, Kraken or Krajan, uh, or Krake, Pole, Steak, uh, uh, yeah, so there's other words, Anchor, there's another, I don't know if that's a Norwegian word, Drag. Like a like an anchor that kind of similar to a like a squid or octopus, or horv, which is a narrow, like a a harrow, not hair narrow, which is the same similar shape maybe. But yeah, it's got a literary history, and uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot more we agreed about it. Uh, Kraken. Let's see what this one, Neapolitan, it has a link to it. Oh, to Neapolitan. Yeah, this is a good thing to finish up with. Neapolitan ice cream, sometimes called Harlequin ice cream. Never, I've never heard of it. It's a type of ice cream composed of three separate flavors. And if you have six kids, you got a lot of ne- Neapolitan ice cream because it's a safe bet. Uh, it's like a money man. How come? Yeah. What about, here's an idea. Please, you know, don't check with me first because it depends on what kind of, uh, financial advice you're giving me. But what about the Neapolitan method, uh, of savings? Uh, the Neapolitan plan, just buying Neapolitan ice cream to save money and budget. No, it's a metaphor. Well, no, it's not. It's practical and a metaphorical at the same time. Okay, Neapolitan ice cream was named in the late 19th century as a reflection of its, uh, from Naples. Uh, Neapolitan immigrants brought their expertise in frozen desserts to them, to the United States. Spumoni was introduced in the 1870s as a Neapolitan-style ice cream. Early recipes used a variety of flavors, uh, but the number of three was the common denominator. Also could represent the Italian flag. Uh, more than likely, chalk of vanilla and strawberry became the standard for the reason they more the most popular flavors in the United States. Uh, there's a lot of different quotes from food historians here and 19th century descriptions, uh, Neapolitan box and Neapolitan icy cones. There's also Neapolitan cake or marble cake with the same three colors of Neapolitan ice cream swirled in there. So yeah, that's like a little bit of from a little bit from Bread Week, uh, and uh, oh, let's just see Ascot. Let's just see what Royal Ascot is what comes up. Uh, 
Royal Ass got involved. Oh, this is a four. This is about horse racing. Gold Cup uh, begins with a royal possession. So this is about horse racing. So anyway, I hope you're uh, getting your rest here. You're comfortable. And this was quite a journey between the first part of this episode and the second part. Uh, hopefully, you're in your proving drawer getting comfortable and drifting off. Uh, and getting some rest. Thanks for the support and good night.